1: God's grace cannot be separated from the idea and the thought and the understanding of the gospel. Truly, grace only really becomes available through the work of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's through the gospel work of Jesus Christ, the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the fact that Christ died for our sins. That is the the full outflowing of God's grace upon us. The heartbeat of the gospel is
0: the grace of God. For all believers, no matter their age, ability, or role, grace draws them to God and sustains their lives. Pastor David encourages you to focus on the grace of God in your life because this is something for which you must be extremely grateful. You are not accepted because you are good enough or have sufficient strength. Rather, God gives people more than they deserve, a free gift of grace because He loves us. Now here's Pastor David with part one of today's message entitled, Perseverance in Trials.
1: Well, when last we looked at this, we actually started 2 Corinthians and we didn't get too far in 2 Corinthians. As a matter of fact, we, we did uh, quite a bit of background, quite a bit of hopefully uh, laying a foundation of what 2 Corinthians is all about, about the time frame, all those things that we spoke about last time we were here. We ended up just only covering the first verse. We didn't get very far, but one of the things that we looked at in covering that first verse was that we realized that all those who are believers in Jesus Christ are called what, church? Saints. Saints. As a matter of fact, tonight, just want to let you guys notice, worshiping with us this evening, right here in Casa Grande, we've got Saint John and Saint Sally and Saint Tom and Saint Karen and all these other saints, all these other saints. We're here together. And you know what? You don't get any stained glass portrait, you don't get any statue out in the yard. We are called saints because we are believers in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. That's the what the word declares and shows us. So, as we move on into 2 Corinthians chapter 1, you know, the way that I work in order to move on, you got to back up and get a running start. So, we're going to back up to the beginning of verse 1, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Look at this here with me if you would, please. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. We looked a lot of that last week, that it wasn't the will of man, it was the will of God that called him. And Timothy, our brother, young protege, young convert of Paul's, one that traveled with Paul, one that grew up in the ministry with Paul that Paul sent out on ministry on his own. He says, and Timothy, our brother, to the church which is at Corinth with all the saints who are in all of Achaia. And then he says, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Here Paul is addressing the church at Corinth, and we've gone over to multiple of times when we were in 1 Corinthians, and even as we've now moved on into 2 Corinthians, just the, the pagan culture that surrounded the church. The church could not get out of the pagan culture. But hopefully, they could get the pagan culture out of them. They were in the very midst of it. And even as Jesus prayed, Lord, I don't pray that you take them out of this world. Because you know what? We're a witness within the world. If we all go and we, we got uh, caves and, and barricades and locked ourselves in, we think, oh, that'd be oh, that'd be so nice. It'd be so peaceful. You know, the problem with that is, We'd all still be there. Okay. So again, that, that wouldn't even work because, again, we're, we still have so many issues that we deal with. He writes to a church in the midst of this pagan culture and he speaks to them with his normal greeting. He tells them, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace to you. This, this is a greeting that he gives every time. Every time Paul writes, he uses this greeting. If you don't believe me, you can mark these down, or if you're really fast in your Bible, take a look at some of these. In Romans chapter 1, verse, yeah, in chapter 1, verse 7, he says, To all who are in Rome, beloved of God, oh, and by the way, they're also called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Flip over a few chapters, come to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We just went through 1 Corinthians, chapter, or 1 Corinthians not too long ago, but way back in chapter 1, he writes these things in verse 2. He says, to the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified, remember sanctified, set apart, sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be, there's that word again, called to be saints. We are all saints. Called to be saints with all who in every place call on the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours, and here's his greeting, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Jump over to the book of Galatians. In Galatians chapter one, right there at the beginning, verse three. Through the church there in Galatia, he says, grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Does Paul sound like a broken record? Now, I don't think that that's the issue. I think that Paul is saying, this is an important thing. I want to write to them and I want to bless them with these words of grace and peace to you. Look at Ephesians. To the saints who there's that word again, to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We go on into Philippians chapter 1, beginning right there at verse 1. Again, to all the, what does it say? Okay, you could even guess that by now, couldn't you? To all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi with the bishops and the deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. In Colossians, in chapter 1, verse 2, he writes to whom? He says, to the saints and the faithful brethren in Christ who are in Colossia. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First Thessalonians and Second Thessalonians say exactly the same thing in verse one of each book. It says, To the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Then he writes to young Timothy, and he writes in First Timothy chapter one, To Timothy, a true son in the faith, grace mercy, he adds one here, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. In Second Timothy chapter 1, he writes very similar. But instead of saying a true son in the faith, here he says to Timothy, a beloved son, grace, and again, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. He writes to Titus, Titus is another pastor that he sent on to Crete to set things in order, and he writes to Titus, and he says there in Titus chapter 1, verse 4, he says, "'To Titus, a true son in our common faith, grace,' oh, he adds that word again, "'mercy and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ our Savior.'" to Philemon, a friend of his, again, dealing with a whole issue, again, of the slavery and this brother that's come to the Lord. He writes in Philemon chapter one, he says, grace to you and peace from God, our father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace, grace and peace, grace and peace, grace, mercy and peace, grace, mercy and peace and grace and peace. I like where he adds mercy to the pastors, okay? That's the only place he puts mercy. I don't know if you notice that. But to Timothy and to Titus, he throws in their mercy. I think because he realizes how much we need that. Uh, just the, 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 the responsibility that God has given to us in, in the areas of, uh, as pastors, what great mercy we need because we blow it on a continual basis. Okay, I blow it on I I don't know about the rest of the guys, but I know we do. Well, it's interesting when you look at these words, he's saying this grace and this peace. In the ancient classical or the secular Greek language, they put more emphasis on this aspect of grace or the Greek word charis or kara as being the form of kind of a, a, an emotional or a physical joy. Nothing very deep at all, but something that, again, is, is, is almost an outward expression. This idea brought it into the realm of thought within the whole early Greek culture. Actually, in conjunction with another Greek word, Hedonai. hedone, hedone, hedone. That's a actually that was a personification of a, of a goddess of physical pleasure, of enjoyment and delight. Hedone. Can you figure out where we get an English word or the English word that we get? Hedon or hedonism. Exactly. And again, that whole thought of, you know, you and I, we think of grace. No, they're thinking almost of hedonism. As a matter of fact, it moves so far toward that point that Plato, writing around 375 BC, used kara, a form of charis, a form of grace, in much the same way that he would have used that word hedone for that physical, that emotional, that almost hedonistic pleasure. And then with the writings of Aristotle... Coming in now just a few years later, around 350 B.C., there becomes very little, if any kind of a distinction, between Kera and Hedone. They, they all seem interchangeable in whatever way that they're writing. By around the 200 to 100 B.C., the Stoics, remember the Stoics. The Stoics, since they regarded the desires of the flesh as evil... Kara began to be viewed as something pretty negative, a very negative sense to it. It wasn't until the Christians came and the writings of the Christians and the teachings of Christ that we really redeemed that word. And I love it when the church can redeem a word back. We've lost so many words. Uh, you know, used to, it used to be okay to be gay, okay? But right now, okay, we won't even go there right now. But then, again, looking at redeeming this word, kara or charis. Through Christ, kara is most often used in the form of charis that we translate directly as thanks or favor or credit or gift or benefit or gracious, but the most popular and the enduring of all the definitions of that word is grace, grace, the unmerited favor of God, a great definition for it if you want to know exactly or or a good handle on what grace is, the unmerited favor of God. Someone else has taken it and they put it as God's riches at Christ's expense, C R A C E or yeah yeah R A I don't spell very well either G R A C E God's riches at Christ's expense. This idea of grace is is one of the distinctive ideas actually of Christianity. With this concept in mind, when you survey all the other systems of religious thought, uh, past or present, none of them contain an emphasis on this divine grace that God is pouring out grace on his creation. Uh, None of them give that uh, to be compared with what the Bible gives us. And as Paul lays it out, this idea of grace cannot be separated from the idea and the thought of the gospel. God's grace cannot be separated from the idea and the thought and the understanding of the gospel. Truly, grace only really becomes available through the work of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's through the gospel work of Jesus Christ, the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the fact that Christ died for our sins. That is the the full outflowing of God's grace upon us. That's why those who, again, we come into the benefits of the gospel. We are now the recipients of God's grace and on so many levels, and that's why, you know what? Even folks like you and I can be called saints because of the grace of God. Only because of the grace of God, amen? Okay, for a few of you, you understand that, okay. Grace is is the very agape love, not, not just... Uh, familial love, not just an emotional love, but the, the very agape love. And you remember, we looked at that quite deeply when we were in 1 Corinthians 13, this all-sacrificing, all-caring, deep, concerning uh, type of love. The very love of God is actually in fluid motion within the life of the believer through what we know as grace. When God pours his grace upon us, his love is flowing, surrounding, filling us. That's what the grace of God does. You also need to see, you need to understand, it's not by accident that Paul lists in every one of these instances. He lists grace first and then peace. It's very evident you cannot have the peace of God until you know the grace of God. It's an impossibility. If you don't know the grace of God, the peace of God will never truly be yours, not in the fullness of what God desires for us to have. It is through the gospel of Christ that the grace of God comes to us, and again, the peace of God is then revealed in our lives. Definition of peace. One person, or I've heard the definition of peace is the absence of, of conflict, the absence of conflict. Well, that's not a bad definition, but it's not the biblical definition. In the world, that makes sense. Okay, oh, I had peace today. I didn't have any issues that come along, but tomorrow I'm gonna have issues. Boom, there goes my peace because that's what the world understands. But for you and I as a believer, peace by by biblical definition has to be much, much more than that. It has to go deeper than that the type of peace that Paul speaks here isn't just a, a temporary peace that's that's based on the absence of conflict. This peace that he speaks and he prays for the church of Corinth and he prays for the church of Galatia and he prays for the church of Philippi and Colossians and Ephesians and, and all of them, and plus for Timothy and Titus, the, the the peace that he prays for them comes from a growing and from a true relationship with Jesus Christ. And it's got to be both, gang. It can't be that 10 years ago, I prayed to receive Christ as my Savior. I've not grown any in my walk, but I have the fullness of His peace. I don't think that's possible because it's in that growing relationship, it's in that continuous relationship that the peace of God reigns and rules within our lives. That the peace of God literally holds us together. The peace, not like the world gives, that's that temporary peace. But Jesus says, no, my peace I give to you. And again, that kind of peace is not gonna be blown away by the circumstances in life. In the Greek, the word is irene, irene, irene. The girl's name is the word peace in, in Greek. It's the same concept as the as the Hebrew word in the Old Testament, shalom. Not not so much even a a state of mind as it is really a a state of being. It's not just that I've figured out this peace. No, I am at peace. It speaks of the very presence of the covering of God in our life. I don't I don't look for or I don't try to gain no I am in peace because I am in Christ and that peace surrounds me in every aspect of my life that's because we have a growing relationship we are pursuing Christ and in the pursuit of Christ his peace flows over us that's so important for it, for us to understand it 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 has within it this a meaning of of well-being, an understanding of a wholeness within us. That's why Paul's able to write to the church in Philippi. A little bit later, he, he writes to the church in Philippi, Philippians chapter four, verse seven. And he writes, and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. You see, if I'm having... Issues in my flesh. If my mind is wandering here or there, my heart isn't consistent and steadfast. Oh, I can work to try and get my heart right. I can work to try and you know get my mind you know to not go there and to not go there. It's like the old joke: Don't think about pink elephants. And everybody said, Okay, don't think about pink elephants. Don't think about. Okay, I'm not going to think about pink elephants. You know, we work that. No, the thing is, is it's not in not doing. It is in the pursuing that the peace comes. Catch that? It's not in the not doing. It's in the pursuing that peace comes. The peace of God surpassing all understanding, Paul prays, it'll guard your hearts. It'll guard your mind through Christ Jesus. And again, that's not an emotion of our own ability. I can't even get my mind to go there unless Christ is bringing me there. It's that full-on work of God in surrendered lives. When my life is surrendered to Him, and my mind is stayed on Him, then He brings me into that perfect peace. If I'm not surrendered, then I can't keep my mind stayed on Him because I've got all this other stuff that's pulling at me. And if my mind's not stayed on Him, I'm not going to have that perfect peace. He wrote to the church in Colossians, Colossians chapter three, verse fifteen. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and to be thankful. That again, His peace would have authority in my life, and all these other things would have to bow to that authority. If the authority of Christ and His peace within my life reigns and rules in my life, then every other thought, being able to take captive, every other attack of the enemy being placed before the throne, every other thing that's coming against me, that I can throw it before the throne. Why? Because I'm focused on allowing the peace of God to reign and rule in my hearts. This is something the Lord desires to do in each one of our lives. And I believe that that's why Paul wrote that to every church and Philemon and to Titus and to Timothy. He wrote it to all of them. Grace and peace, grace and peace, grace and peace. The problem is, is too many times, man, we, we, we block his peace from filling our lives. We block his peace from filling our lives and our hearts because we're filling our lives and our hearts with the cares and the concerns of this world. And if I'm filled with that, his peace is not going to reign and rule. This is your hearts and minds. These are the cares and the concerns of the world. And we go through the world and we see situations arise that get us stressed out Get us focused on something other than Christ. Get us focused on other than his peace that he wants to work in our lives. And we have battles and we have conflicts and we have concerns and we have stresses and we have frustrations and we have trials and we have tribulations and we have a whole lot of other things beyond what the amount of rocks that I have here that are going on in our lives. And we're filling our lives with all this stuff. And while we fill our lives with all these things, then we start saying, Lord, that your peace would reign and rule in my life.
0: We're so glad you joined us today on The Open Word for Pastor David Landry's verse-by-verse teaching through the book of Second Corinthians. You can find more messages from Pastor David and information about The Open Word by visiting our website, theopenword.com. If you're looking for a church home and are in the Casa Grande area, why not join us for a time of worship and Bible study? Calvary Chapel Casa Grande has services each Sunday at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. and at 6.30 p.m. on Wednesdays and Saturdays. You can find location information and directions by going to theopenword.com and following links to the church homepage. Now here's Pastor David with
1: some information on how you can help support the ministry of The Open Word. When we began The Open Word radio ministry, our heart's desire was to get the message of God's kingdom and His grace to as many as possible. We knew that there'd be many who wouldn't come through the church door, but would perhaps tune into a radio program and be challenged and changed by the power of the Holy Spirit through the teaching of God's Word. God has given us a vision to see this ministry expand and reach even further, and yet, as with any ministry endeavor... There are expenses that happen through the production and distribution of these messages. If God has blessed you with the teaching, would you prayerfully consider partnering with us in a financial commitment to the ministry of The Open Word? Log on to TheOpenWord.com and simply click on the support option to help the message of God's grace extend
0: and grow. Thanks, Pastor David. That's all the time we have for today. But join us again as we continue digging deeper into the book of 2 Corinthians, right here on The Open Word. Make us more and more.